AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Corn lower, wheat near steady, and the soy complex closed on the plus side of unchanged. Hogs were mostly higher, and the cattle complex turned Friday's cattle on feed report into some nice price gains. Cotton. It could be limit up tomorrow, but for today, cotton was limit down. Live from the day Chip got away with it all with a presidential pardon via Farm Journal broadcast. This is AgriTalk this afternoon. It's a conversation with Darren Fry from Water Street Solutions. Later, Kerry Artek from ArtekAdvisory.com. And right after the news, Jack Scoville from the Price Futures Group. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now welcome the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. Okay, you got me. I'm a little curious. Got away with it all. Presidential pardon. All you had to do was put on a turkey suit and show up strutting around Washington. They did not. And really, my man gets a pardon. I don't know what you did, but you've apparently curried favor with our president. So, uh, you know, well done. Well done. Wow. Was, yeah. was that the lead bird? Uh, I think it was actually the trailing bird. The trailing, the old, the alternate bird. That's right. Yes, yes. Yes. Uh, in, in case the, so what's what's the lead bird here? Chocolate. Chocolate is the uh, lead bird. Well, it's better than cow or mm-hmm. buffalo or, mm-hmm. you know, in some cases, even yeah. potato. Well, Good grief. So Chip, huh? Chip, yes. Chip got the pardon. Chip got one of two pardons handed out Very today. Very nice. Very um, nice. Over to, you know, is it North Carolina University, I believe they go to? Is it uh, NC North State, Carolina? probably. NC State, they'll yep. go to uh, to the uh, poultry program there, which, as I understand, yeah. is uh, is outstanding in the field. So, uh, well, very you know, good. Living very the life good. of Riley. You know? Right, right. I'm sure that I will live the life of Riley until <laughs> it is time for Chip to make the ultimate donation to the uh, – <laughs> To, to the scientific effort down there at NC State. Well, Go because get a Wolfpack. All pardons aside, you are at heart a giver. Did a giver? Did we? Did yeah, yeah. <laughs> did we get? Did we get the audio on tape so that we, like me? Who can I use this in the future at some point? The Agritalk technicians are working on it right now. They oh, assure wow. me they'll have something at some point. Yes. Let's lock it up. There Let's will be audio. Fantastic. (laughs) All right. Well, we've got a conversation with Darren Fry today. I'm sure that's going to be fantastic as well. From Water Street Solutions is Darren. Uh, We've got Jack coming up after the news. And, of course, Kerry Artak with a chart update at the end of the show. All right, buddy. Let's get to the news. Well, Chip, export inspections of wheat in the weekend of November 17 totaled at nearly 280,000 metric tons. That was at the high end of lackluster trade expectations. Overnight selling interest was generated by the U.N. deal with Russia to keep grain exports flowing from Ukraine through the Black Sea ports. While this will likely end up being a bigger deal for the corn market, wheat yeah. trade has been exceptionally sensitive to headlines from Ukraine. Latest data from the Commodity Futures Trading Commission showed large speculators increased a net short position to the largest since June 2020. 
December hard red winter wheat futures were steady at 9.34 and one quarter. December SRW wheat down four cents, 7.99 and a quarter. Sass close. December yep. spring wheat closed at 9.48. That's down three and a half. Chip. Specs on the short side of the market. That means that we're looking for the first time that the market fails to go down on bearish news. Uh, that might be an indicator that, hey, maybe it's time for the specs to roll out of those shorts. Well, corn inspected for exports in the weekend of November 17 totaled to more than 495,000 metric tons in line with trade expectations. Overnight price pressure was generated by the deal to continue Ukrainian grain shipments, but December corn futures had a tough time recovering from early selling as large speculators continue to exit short positions. Also word that China is booking corn imports uh, has become a weight on the market. December corn posted a session high open and a low range close to make support at last week's low of 651 and one quarter. The next downside target target for chart watchers, December corn futures eight and one quarter cents lower 659 and one half. March corn down six and a half to 663 and a half. July corn futures closed at 657 and one quarter down five and one quarter cents. Chip, the way that I re- uh, wrote this and yeah. read it, it, it feels like uh, the the <laughs> imports China is booking of corn are not from the United States. Right, right. They, what they're getting is from South America is what it looks like right now, and some of the first imports from Brazil. So we'll we'll talk with Darren about that coming up in just a little bit. Crude oil futures were sharply lower in early trade, pulling soybean oil futures to the downside and weighing on soybean prices. USDA then reported uh, export inspections of beans at the high end of trade expectations. Chip, get this, 2.33 million metric tons. Yep. Crude oil rallied to erase losses. Bean oil followed crude oil to the upside. All of that helped bean prices push to the upside after mid-morning. Consulting firm Ag Rural says about 80% of the Brazilian bean crop has been planted. That's behind the 86% planted pace by this time last year. Dry conditions in Argentina should continue to limit pressure on corn and soy complex futures. January soybeans eight and one half cents higher, fourteen thirty six and three quarters. March beans up eight and one half cents, fourteen forty one and three quarter. July soybeans closed at fourteen fifty and three quarters. That's up eight and one half cents. Chip, keeping an eye on some of the conditions there in Brazil, but for the most part, there Brazil's in pretty good shape. Argentina is the dry area that that traders are watching most closely. Well, quickly here, another round of COVID shutdowns in China raised concern over demand for U.S. cotton. December cotton, 400 points lower, 81.16. Chip, I see we've got Jack here. Let's jump over to him. Yeah, we'll get the livestock uh, closes when we come back. All right, Jack Scoville, Price Futures Group. Good afternoon, Jack. How are you? Hey, happy Monday. Feeling good. How about you? Good, good, good. Happy Thanksgiving to you, man. warmer temperatures, huh? Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to you. Looks like it'll be a decent one this year. Yeah, it uh, does. After the cold of last week, it's uh, <laughs> we're we're back to normal, so that's okay. <laughs> that's right. Nice to get a little bit of relief in here. You know, soybeans seem like a willing rally today. Jack, did you feel that way? Yeah, I did. It was uh, it held better in the overnight session before all the news came out, and uh, I just think the demand's been better over there. It seems to be ignoring the. Chinese, uh, potential Chinese problems with demand, unlike cotton, for example, which uh, got yeah. slammed today because of the COVID. But uh, the, the beans seem to be ignoring it, and it's also ignoring the better conditions down in, uh, down in Brazil. 
So, uh, and the potential for record production down there. But even so, the beans were, you know, reflecting demand that's uh, going on now. And the demand news was really, really good on Thursday and continues to be pretty good with the export inspections today. Yeah. Yeah. The shipments pace, despite all the issues that we've got on the river and despite some of the issues that we've got getting uh, beans in position by rail, the the loading space is really doing pretty good. Does the potential for a rail strike get you a little scared at all? Oh, maybe a little bit. Uh, you know, I know the potential is there, but I also think that the government will step in if uh, if there is a strike and it'll be over pretty quickly. Um, I, I just don't see how the government can allow uh, the rail workers to strike for any any. Uh, long length of time they just we, we we need to keep things moving a little better than that especially with the problems on the river and whatnot okay. uh we just we we just need to keep uh we just need to keep products flowing not only grain but everything else right right absolutely all right jack like i said have a happy thanksgiving buddy we'll talk to you with you again next week okay great all right that's jack scoville price futures group We've got Darren Fry, Water Street Solutions, up next right here on AgriTalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. We've cleared the schedule for you. Give us a call at 855-482-5524 and join the conversation. I'm so glad you're back because now I can say it weird. 855-482-5524, followed by the number four. Jim. Yeah, you can give us a call. It's 855-4-TALK-AG. That's 855-482-5524. You can also tweet at us. Hashtag Agritalk in the message. Or send us an email, host at agritalk.com. Is that that hard? Uh, isn't that what I said? Okay. 855-4825-52, followed by the number four. Could it be more yeah, simple? And and the sparks are flying and uh-huh. arcing is happening and the connections are being broken. I don't think... I don't think it's a good idea to be welding while you're broadcasting, Chip. Well, yeah, sometimes, sometimes <laughs> that's what it feels like. <laughs> All right, let's finish up that livestock news before we get to Darren. Indeed. Well, December cattle futures gapped slightly higher, slipped back to fill the gap, then rallied to close near mid-range and at the highest level since October 26. December fat cattle 47 and one half higher, 153.55. April cattle gained 87 and one half to 160, 12 and one half. January feeders up $1.85 to 182.62 and one half. 
And on your snout side, December Lean Hogs posted a third consecutive lower close and failed to trade above $85 for the first time in 10 sessions. December Hogs 42 and a half lower, 83.80. April up 55 cents, 95.47 and one half chip. All right, Davis. Yeah, feeder cattle, January feeder cattle gapped higher and on session lows. So they left the gap open and closed above 182.50 for the first time since September 20th. I don't know if it's a huge breakout to the upside in the feeder cattle market, but that's as much upside momentum as I've seen in feeders for a while. So things look pretty good there. All right, let's get Darren in here. Darren Fry, Water Street Solutions. Darren, welcome to AgriTalk, man. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Hey, thank you. Appreciate that very much. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Uh, so talk to me about how the week started for the grains here, because the overnight session with the announcement that, yeah, Russia is going to allow the grain shipments, some pressure overnight, but then the soy complex kind of comes rolling back. Wheat gets back to steady. Corn came off a of session lows, but wasn't that impressive of a day. What do you make of it all? I think the corn, you know, was was sluggish all day because of rumors that China booked two to four boats out of Brazil. There's some other business done too, probably out of Ukraine. And if so, you know, it just speaks to our need for some corn exports. We have good domestic demand, but that's been maybe in question with crude oil falling out of bed. But now with crude oil reversing late in the day, maybe ethanol margins will hold in there. But we need export business. And I think that's the biggest thing probably making corn sag because soybeans, meal, and bean oil didn't act all that bad, even when crude was on its lows. And then when crude came back, they really responded. Wheat came back to pretty much unchanged across the classes. So that's kind of how I see it for today. Okay. Okay, um, China booking Brazilian corn. Um, to me, this seems like a really, really, really big deal uh, and something that's going to change this corn trade going forward. Well, it's it's a big deal from the standpoint that they need to buy some corn, right? But um, booking it down there and in Ukraine isn't going to help us much. But I think maybe the larger story is is, is if, you know, uh, Brazil has adequate supplies right now. Their first crop is good. But if they do run short on corn, I do think with all the issues around the world, we could pick up some exports other than Mexico. But we need exports from China. We need them to book something here. They're taking our beans right now and uh, hiding them pretty good because we didn't see many flash sales last week. And yet we had big bean export numbers. So uh, we need some corn exports from them, though, and that would get things going. Yeah, we absolutely do. You know, and one of the elements that I think that Brazil's entry into the export business to China, one of the elements that that's going to add into the whole mix is what you were just talking about, the reliability factor. We have no idea how reliable the supply of corn is going to be out of Brazil. And it not only year to year, but month to month when you get right down to it, they can have a big crop and you get halfway through the marketing year and they talk about how they're running out of corn. Uh, it, 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 it almost seems like a be careful what you're asking for kind of scenario for Brazil and their corn exports. 
Yeah, but it is a big deal that they've gotten corn approved out of there, and it'll help them in the short term. But I'm not sure from year to year if they'll be a reliable exporter to China like they are on the soybean side. But I think right now, um, just the fact that China's booking some corn uh, just means that they need it, and uh, they're going to have to book more. And whether it comes from Brazil or Ukraine, could it come from us here in the second half of our marketing year? So I think that's a good sign here as we see, you know, really the problem with China is the COVID. Uh, just, yeah. you know, everything's locked down. If they would open up, uh, we'd really see what their needs were. And we've seen them really scrimp even on soybean imports. Those were down here this last month, even from Brazil. And so we need to see them open up and get their economy going again. And that's been the problem really for the last three to four months here with, you know, COVID in China. Yeah. Um, the... <laughs> The shutdowns and the concerns about overall demand really reflected in the cotton market today, huh? Yeah, well, cotton's one of those uh, leading indicators of overall, you know, economic cycles, what the economy's doing. And it's been real sensitive. You know, it was uh, at pretty lofty levels a few months ago, and then it just came crashing down. I think it's still crashing down. It still hasn't proven it's formed a bottom yet. I am looking up longer term. I think fundamentals are fairly strong around cotton, but you know, a lot of it is so hinged on what China does and it's very sensitive to their next move. Okay. All right. Um, let's back up a little bit because I do want to talk about here we are it's holiday, a holiday week, Thanksgiving week. We've got some jumbled up schedules at the end of the week with Thursday off some shortened trading hours on Friday. What are some do's and don'ts? when it comes to trading during the holiday season here, Darren. Did you see my email? <laughs> I did. <laughs> I talked to a friend of mine up at the board. I was kind of being funny, but uh, I, I asked him, I said, hey, what are the do's and don'ts for the week of Thanksgiving? He said, drink a lot of bourbon and wine and don't trade. <laughs> <laughs> don't trade. And I said, well, I got to have a better answer. I got to have a better answer than that. Um I would say, you know, as you enter a week like this or around Christmas, New Year's, you know, you have a thinner trade. A lot of people are gone. They just take it off and they leave. And so you do have uh, volume concerns. And within markets, you can get big reactions. And so sometimes those reactions give you opportunity to do something that you otherwise wouldn't have been able to. And sometimes that day after Thanksgiving, that Black Friday, we see big yeah. moves. We have a shortened yeah. trading session. Nobody's in, and sometimes things can get pretty crazy. The other thing I would say is sometimes the market moves against your position, whatever that may be, and you can't take a lot of stake in one day's price action. Now, if it moves again the second day like that, that's real. But what might happen on Friday or through this week might not be as real as you think it is just because of the thin volume. Yeah. So be careful. Good. That's good counsel right there. And I don't just mean the bourbon and the wine. Uh, just, you know, <laughs> you got to verify. You got to verify in markets like this. So if it, it, it's almost like playing horse on that last shot. If you make something stupid, uh, you got to make it again to prove it. And you, you got to make these markets prove it if, if they do something out of the ordinary for this week. I think that that is really important. What about the positioning of, of the large specs in the market right now, Darren? What what do you make of that? 
Well, they've maintained, the large funds have maintained uh, a fairly healthy long position here in corn and soybeans. They've reduced it here lately, uh, but they still hold a lot of meal, soybeans, corn long, um, bean oil. Uh, Obviously, they have a short position in wheat, and uh, they continue to add to that, it appears, in the Chicago class. They're long a little Kansas City and a little Minneapolis. But I would say the the funds want to be long this market in case... We see the feds pausing or or trying to slow down their interest rate hikes. But, um, you know, I'm not sure what else they're looking at other than a lot of funds have left the market. They've they've gone elsewhere. And I think the traditional fund is still in here, still wanting to be long, thinking there's some good technical reasons and fundamental reasons to be long into winter, probably trading the South American weather some and probably trading a little bit of you know, the recession, is it, you know, as bad as it is people say, or are we going to pivot and maybe get a relief rally here in these commodities? But funds are long, and if they do decide to come out of this, we could have a pretty big washout. Right, right. Okay. Let's talk a little bit more about the outside markets and the influence on the grains when we come back, Darren. And also, 2023, what are your expectations, crop mix, the balance sheets, Price action, marketing opportunities. Darren Fry, Water Street Solutions, right here on AgriTalk. Time now for news of note from Pro Farmer. China's new COVID cases are nearing the April peak as there are flare ups around the country, including the capital of Beijing. Hong Kong's chief executive tested positive for COVID 19 just days after interacting with President Xi Jinping of China. Kiev said it is preparing to help civilians in newly liberated Kherson voluntarily evacuate the city ahead of winter. The end of the monetary tightening cycle is in sight, according to the Atlanta Fed chief, who says the bank should end its tightening cycle after 75 to 100 basis points of further rate hikes if the economy develops as he expects. The OMB has completed its review of EPA's final rule on canola oil under the RFS, And last Friday's cattle on feed report data was viewed as generally supportive for cattle futures. News of note is taken from the pages of Pro Farmer. Get more at tryprofarmer.com. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. In the morning, you're coffeeed up and you're thinking. In the afternoon, you've calmed down, but you're still thinking. We're here all day. AgriTalk. 
Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Oh, wow. Glad that you are with us. We're in the middle of the conversation with today's guest analyst, Darren Fry from Water Street Solutions. Davis, before we get back to the conversation with Darren, go ahead and recap where the market's closed. Chip, December hard red winter wheat futures were steady at 9.34 and one quarter. December soft red wheat down four cents to 7.99 and one quarter. December corn futures eight and one quarter cents lower, 6.59 and one half. July corn futures closed at 6.57 and one quarter, down five and one quarter cents. January soybean futures eight and one half cents higher, 14.36 and three quarters. July soybeans closed at 14.50 and three quarters, up eight and one half cents. December cotton 400 points lower, 81.16. On the livestock side, December fat cattle were 47 and one half cents higher, 153.55. January feeder futures up $1.85 to 182.62 and a half. And December lean hogs 42 and one half cents lower today, 83.80. That's your quick market recap. Back to you, Chip. All right, Davis, thank you very much. Uh, Darren Fry, Water Street Solutions, is our our guest analyst today. Darren, I was during the break, I was looking back at some of our notes, and I went all the way back to the first segment. And Jack Scoville, his comments about Congress likely intervening to keep the rail system up and running, he seemed fairly confident that Congress would do that. What do you think? Are, are you that confident? Um, I I really don't know. I mean, I, I do think they're headed for an impasse here. Uh, how uh, the White House, Congress will get together and, and make this work, I, I don't know. Uh, I know we can't afford to have rail shut down with what's happened with our river system, the lack of rain that has dropped the levels. So that is a big problem. But also the rail would be a bigger problem um, yeah. when you couple it with that. And so I don't think they can allow for it, but I don't know what they can do to completely stop it either. Yeah. You know, the thing that concerns me about all of this is uh, we w- there was not a strike back in September, but some of the ag companies had to prepare for the possibility and limit shipments of, quote-unquote, hazardous materials. One of those hazardous materials is, of course, ethanol so you know how the the ethanol makers use those tankers as as storage and and uh yeah they're so critical they've got to be coming in and out of of those ethanol plants on a regular basis the the tanker cars do and if that gets interrupted darren i don't know how the ethanol industry the ethanol producers can continue to function at the the pace that they want to. No, that's right. I mean, they might be getting corn via rail or just shipping ethanol out via rail, either way or both ways. That stops everything. There's not enough trucks to take up the slack, nor um, would that be cost effective uh, to pay for the trucking. And so uh, this is real problematic if we see something come to fruition on the strike because even a week or two will just disrupt everything. And, um, you know, some people say that's going to be friendly. Well, I think it's going to be really bullish. It depends on which side of the origin you're on. But it's going to be bearish, in my opinion, um, you know, to the market, certainly for basis and probably for futures as well. So 
I hope it doesn't come to that. I hope they get something ironed out. I think the date is what December 9th or something like that. They have to yeah. have it figured out by. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and but so hopefully is, they can. Yeah. December 9th is the day, but the basis market will be reflecting the potential for a shutdown way before that. And I think you're oh, right. Yeah. I, 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 I think uh, if, if we progress toward some sort of a strike work stoppage or even a work slowdown, Darren, I think basis just gets hammered. Yes. And there's a lot of producers kind of wondering, Hey, if they're offering this much basis now, um, what will it be like when we get out to, you know, June, July of next year? And we've been trying to advise our clients that, Hey, just the cost of money. Now, the way interest is, you got to have more out there. There's no carry in the market. So the right. only thing you're holding grain for is a basis improvement. And if something goes awry, we could see basis worse than where we are today, not better when you look out in the future. So it goes back to that old cliche that one in the hand's better than two in the bush, and maybe a guy's better lock it up, you know, if they yep. can. You know, Darren, over the past couple of weeks, I won't say that the that the analysts on the show have been at both ends of the extremes, but there there have been a handful of guys that have said, you know what, I think we can be a little conservative in your marketing now. If you've got everything moved that needs to be moved between now and and spring, that's probably okay because we've got the Brazilian growing season that we got to watch for, and any hiccup is an issue. On the other hand, have been the guys of, what are you waiting for? get that stuff sold, get it out of the bin, and move the risk to paper. It, it, it's it been an interesting conversation yeah. in the past couple of weeks. It sounds like you're on the move the risk to paper side. Well, I, I would think you have to be. I mean, if a guy wants upside, and I'm, I think we can get a pop in these markets short term, but longer term, I'm super bearish into 23, 24 and I think a guy's, you know, getting his last month or two to get things priced here before we see a bigger move down of significance. And so the real risk, I think, is the downside, not the upside. But if I'm wrong about that and we're going to get a pop, it probably is going to be in the futures market because of some world event or drought or something that happens in South America. And so you can participate on paper with a call option, a call spread, you know, being along the board yeah. if you want. But I think just taking that risk of a strong basis, no carry, the market is saying, give me your corn, give it now, let's yeah. move it. And I think you have to respect that. And I'm here commercials out West have more coverage than people would think. And that's the other thing. If they get what they need, you know, they'll start breaking the basis too. They won't need to bid Dang as hard. Right. So um, I think it's touchy here to be bullish, bullish, bullish when you're seeing unprecedented basis levels and no carry. Okay, uh, your words, not mine. Super bearish into 2023 and 24. Define super bearish. What does that look like? Well, I think you'll see corn under $5 sometime by the time we get to the fall of 24, um, 450, 475 area for corn and, and soybeans. I think you'll get them under $10. 950, 975 area would be my my prediction. Okay, so when you think about, well, that's by 2024. What about for the 23 crop? Do you feel an urgency to get stuff done when we're sitting here with that? Geez, I should have called it up even before we, 
There, okay, now I've got it. With the D's 23, it's just over six bucks, six oh seven and a quarter. Do you feel an urgency to get some stuff done there? Yeah, I think any rallies are for selling um, both on 22 and 23 and maybe some put protection out into 24 even, uh, depending on how a guy wants to do that. But I think we're looking at a down move here that will move us down into that low $5 area of 23 corn and the low $5 area of 22 corn as well. You know, it'll be out in the May of 23 contract. But I think that'll be where we get to May, June, and then you get a rally. And then I think you start down again into the 24 crop year. So we're not going to go straight down to those levels, but I think we got a buck, buck 50 break in corn, then a rally of maybe a buck in proportion, and then another buck 50 lower. And that's how we get to Boy, 24 down to that 450, 475 level. Man, oh man, the, the end users that don't have full coverage out there right now, Darren, are saying from... From your lips to God's ears, let's get this buck, buck and a half break out of the way so we can get some extra coverage in here, aren't they? <laughs> they probably are, yeah. And the farmers the farmers have a, a good cash position, you know, financially. This has been a good couple-year run, not only for prices, but for yield, especially people in the east. West had good crops a year ago, but this year they were shorted. But, you know, overall, I think the farmer has a strong position in and a lot of them will put stuff away in the bin and just see what happens. But I'm not sure that's bullish, right? I mean, it's sooner or later that has to come out. And if we're betting on a weather problem in South America or a weather problem here in the spring or summer of our 23 growing season, we might find out that we have just too much grain around and now we're unloading stored grain from the bin. So I really like uh, getting stuff hedged, getting stuff sold. Uh, especially here for the 22 crop going into 23, but also the 23 crop going into spring. So in this same case, thing I'm on the soybeans, I'm more bearish soybeans okay. just because, you know, South America, Brazil's going to have, I mean, I, I just don't see a problem with Brazil bean crop right now. And if they come with 150 plus crop, I mean, you're going to, you're going to put a herd on soybeans here uh, once they top out and they start rolling over. Okay, so thirteen seventy five in the November twenty three calls for action from you. Yeah, I I, I think they got a little more upside. Uh, I want to be clear. I think we can bounce a little higher in soybeans, both in the twenty three contract, but also the nearby uh, Jan of twenty three, which would represent the twenty two crop. I think we can move up a little higher, another fifty cents or so. But after that, I'd be hitting it hard. Okay. Well, you said yep. you you said it very well when you said, "Listen, rallies are for selling in corn and soybeans," and uh, uh, it it it's hard to argue with that now. And uh, uh, looking out into the twenty three crop year, boy, push the pencil on it and get it figured out if that's the thing to do. Good stuff, Darren. I mean, yeah. talking turkey yeah, on that's Thanksgiving right. week. Good stuff. Good stuff. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You bet, man. All right, that is Darren Fry, Water Street Solutions. Uh, we'll have Darren on again here before too long. We need to get an update on his outlook for the markets. All right, let's chart time. Let's get Carrie Artak in here next on Agritalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. 
It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. AgriTalk is brought to you by the Conservation at Work video series. Farmer to Farmer, the Conservation at Work video series features real stories, real successes, real quick. See what's possible at farmers.gov slash conservation. You know, I felt a little bit of this at my first Thanksgiving meal of the year over the weekend. You, did. you know, yeah, I did pretty good. I did pretty good, but you know what? Uh, yeah, it, it the, the second plate wasn't nearly nearly as full as what it used to be going through going through Thanksgiving line. Yeah, but you're the granddad. Yeah. I mean, there are yeah. all sorts of body functions that you can just sort of let go. You're the granddad right. now. Who's going to say anything? You know, I am. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. Take a nap. Let her, let her <laughs> I, did. Hey. I did. I <laughs> did. <laughs> All oh, right. Boy. Welcome back. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. That is Davis. Let's bring in Kerry Artak, Artak Advisory. How are you, Kerry? I'm doing fantastic, Chip. Thanks for having me again. You bet. Glad that you are here. Don't forget, uh, go to artakadvisory.com. That's A-R-T-A-C advisory.com. There's a green button right there on the main page. Click on that, and Kerry will get you lined up with a two-week free trial of his daily service. All right, Kerry, kick us off. What do you got? Uh, I've got March wheat. We're just rolling into March out of December, and uh, we closed today around 8.18 and a quarter. Just wanted to update your listeners as to what I'm thinking here. I still have uh, significant long-term support well below the market, 7.54 and three-quarter. That is a rising two-thirds speed line projected off the 2016 low. It is trend-defining. We did test it over the summer. It held nicely. And it's rising gradually. It is our floor of support into spring, summer of next year, above which we remain stable and we could have some buy signals as we move into later winter. Our first test to the upside is 875 even which is in reach with the still relatively heightened volatility that wheat is incurring. We might test that here by the end of December. 875 even able to contain monthly buying pressures. We could fall off there into January, but if we close above 875 even, the 956 even becomes the next three to five week target. And 956 even is a meaningful resistance that could contain buying through winter activity. Now, downside, if the market falls apart, and closes any week below 754 and three quarter, we have a long-term sell signal. I think over the next three to five months, which is to say into late winter, spring trade, we could fall all the way back to around 577 even, where the market could bottom out on a seasonal basis, but not unless we close below 754 and three quarter long-term support. On to February live cattle. There's been some strength okay. in this market recently. Uh, we're we're actually bullish above 155.02 for the next few weeks until we reach 
a meaningful test at 157.92. That is a rising channel top that we tested about a month ago. It held nicely. It is uh, rising gradually, able to contain buying actually into February expiration. And once we test 157.92, February live cattle can fall off through the balance of its life, actually, perhaps back into the low 150s. But if we close above 157.92, then we enter another phase of longer-term buying, whereby within about two to three weeks, 160 half would be expected, and possibly by February expiration, 164 even, where I would expect the February contract to top out into its expiration. Now, downside, if we do close below 155.02, we have a good high through the rest of the year, through a December trade, and the following three to five weeks, then in reach of 155. 50. That is a significant floor of support for the February contract that I would expect if tested, able to contain selling into February expiration. And finally, January crude oil, we just rolled from Dece to Jan. We settled around uh, 79.82, or we're trading in the 79 handle right now. Big day today. We spiked into the 75 handle, 75.27 low, and 76.45, about a full dollar plus above that, uh, is a big area this week that if we closed below on Friday for the week itself, it's a horizontal channel structure on the weekly chart. So if we settle Friday below 76.45, we should drop another $10 a barrel into the mid-60s. I have a narrowing range of long-term support presently between $64.50 and $66.50. That all comes together around $66.50 actually um, by January 1st. That mid 60 support, long-term in scope, able to contain selling into next spring, possibly next summer. Uh, and uh, if we were to close below that area, we'd have a big sell signal into next summer, but I don't expect to see that. In fact, I don't expect to see the mid-60s unless once again we close below 70 645. Until then, okay. today's low may actually have been it as we move into yeah. December trade. Uh, 93.75 in reach over the next three to five weeks, holding above 76.45, 93.75 in reach by the end of December, where we can actually top out into later winter. And uh, if we were to close above 93.75 over the next month or two, that would be a significant buy signal through winter trade. But uh, I think that yeah. that pretty much rounds it out for crude oil and everything else I had to say today, Chip. <laughs> All right, Kerry. Yeah, on a short-term basis, what happened in January crude oil today just looked like a rejection of lower prices. Uh, mm -hmm. Basically, anything under eighty bucks. It would. We we didn't quite close back above eighty bucks, but man, oh man, we spiked that that February contract. Although you you already said it, but spiked it all the way down to seventy five twenty seven and ro rallied back to close at seventy nine eighty. Uh, yeah, big swing today. Yeah, yeah, the trade the rest of the week. And, well, the, the trade the rest of the year, I think, is going to be really, really critical to how this economy performs. I would uh, agree. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be real interesting. Kerry, happy Thanksgiving, my friend. Thanks, Chip. You too. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. That is Kerry Artak, Artak Advisory. Davis. Yeah. The National Weather Service 6 to 10-day outlook. This is for November 27th through... December 1. What's it look like? We got, we got December into it. Below normal temperatures expected in North Dakota, South Dakota. Near yeah. normal temperatures across most of Minnesota, Iowa, Nebraska, and in northern Kansas. Above normal temperatures are expected in the eastern Corn Belt and southern production areas. All the way okay. down in, into Texas. Above normal precipitation is expected across the Corn Belt, 
near normal to below normal precipitation expected in the southern areas, uh, south the southern plains, southern Kansas, Oklahoma, and down into Texas. But looking at near normal precipitation expectations in the Gulf states as well. So it, it kind of a mixed bag, uh, nothing too untypical to see at this time of the year, no question about it. Hey, thanks for listening today. Tomorrow morning, we've got NASA Administrator Hubert Hamer. We've got Ken Erickson from SP Global Commodities and Josh Wilson from Farmers and Hunters Feeding the Hungry.